everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Happy 2017, friends, and welcome to another episode of This Good Word. This is episode 72, and today's word is epiphany. Uh, In the Christian household, I love what John Philip Newell calls the Christian denomination, tradition. He calls it a household. It's a family. It's an ever-expanding family. It's a household. I love that. So in the Christian tradition, we have a new liturgical season, which starts today, and it is Epiphany. And so today I want to talk about cultivating our ability to see the light of Christ in the world, which, spoiler alert, is within us, emanating outward. And uh, in, in the Christian household, today marks the beginning of a new liturgical season, Epiphany, which means revelation or showing forth of Christ in the world. And during this season, uh, we take a journey to the unknown, naming our desire to seek and find the light which will most likely show up in unfamiliar places. And so the seasons of the church calendar are really interesting. I didn't grow up following them. I grew up in a large non-denominational sort of church where we did celebrate Christmas and Easter, but they were just singular days. But what I've come to appreciate and really love about the seasons and the rhythms of the, of the church calendar is that they're containers for us to remember the roots of this beautiful, mysterious tradition that we follow, but also every season, every time that they happen again, it invites us to rediscover new things that are happening in us, in the world, new understandings about God that are rooted in the ancient, because If God is the Alpha and the Omega, that means God is the beginning and the end, which really is a way of saying, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. I am the beginning and I'm the end, but it also means that I am what was and I am what will be. And so following the rhythms of the the church calendar uh, allow us to find God as God is being rebirthed anew again and again and again and again in the world and in our lives. So if you're not familiar with the with the church calendar and the rhythms, uh, here's a quick thumbnail sketch. It starts in Advent. Advent always starts on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it goes for four weeks. And during Advent, Advent means arrival, and during Advent we wait and we long for. We notice what's missing in the world. We notice the darkness, and we long for the arrival of the light of the world, uh, which we celebrate on Christmas Day with the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, found in the baby Jesus. And then we go into 12 days, you know, so Advent is about four weeks, and then we go into 12 days of Christmas, where we celebrate the arrival, and we focus on feasting and joy and rejoicing because the light of the world has come. And then on January 6th every year, we turn the page and we we give a response to, we give our response to the arrival, which is the Epiphany. So the season of the Epiphany goes from January 6th all the way to Ash Wednesday. Uh, And the length of that varies. It can be as short as four weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Um, uh, This year, it's almost two months because Ash Wednesday isn't until March 1st. 
So I'm going to talk a lot about epiphany today, but really it means taking a journey in order to find the light that has once again shown up in the world. And it's going to show up like it did with the three astrologers in a very unfamiliar place, in a manger, in a barn, uh, in a baby. So we tend to miss that because we are only looking backward. But as we look forward, as we're going to find out a little later on today, we ask the question, where is the incarnation happening now? What mysterious, hidden, unfamiliar place is God showing up and being born in now in our world in 2017? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of violence, in the midst of hostility, the light of the world is coming, we uh, say, and then during Epiphany, we go on a journey. And then Ash Wednesday begins the journey of Lent, which lasts 46 days. During the journey of Lent, we remember our humanity. We remember our limitless, our, our limit, uh, our limited nature. We remember that we are ashes to ashes and dust to dust. We remember that we are not... Um, we are not infinite. We are actually finite. And during Lent, typically people give up things, but the really the journey during Lent is, is a journey inward to say, what in my life, uh, what do I need to name as limited? What do I need to name as dust? What do I need to name as maybe something that needs to die or let go of? And this can be seen as just this season of, you know, the, the, the point is to white knuckle it and get through the 40 days of fasting. But really, it's a journey towards the divine. It's a journey towards resurrection. And so Easter Sunday starts a 40-day journey of resurrection. So Easter is not just a day, it's a season. And during Easter, we celebrate that the resurrection has come, that tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today, that um, there is hope because God has been birthed in our lives again. And the hope comes in the form of the resurrected Christ, the cosmic Christ in whom all things are held together. And then after Eastertide, which again is, is uh, seven weeks, 40 days, uh, we celebrate the day of Pentecost, which is the, some people call it the birth of the church, but it's really the releasing of the spirit into the world. That uh, we have not been left alone, when Jesus ascends back to the Father, we've been given the Spirit, which guides us into all truth, which is our advocate, our counselor. Uh, and uh, and then after Pentecost, we go into ordinary time. So that is just a quick, and, and I love it because, again, it's a container for those of us uh, who believe that God is always doing something new in the world. It's a container for us, in a rhythm for us. It's a chair for us to sit in these different seasons to remind us of where we're rooted, but also where we're going. It's all going somewhere. Uh, and so we long again during Advent, we remember and we look for the light of the world to come again because we have to recognize that there is darkness. And then during Christmas, we celebrate that we're not lost in darkness, that light has come. And then during Epiphany, we take a journey toward the light. And then during Lent, we remember that we're ashes and dust and breath and and then during uh, Easter, we celebrate that uh, we are not only dust, we are not only limited, we are not only finite, but there has been a resurrection which ushers us into an entirely different era of life and living where we can enter into the kingdom of God now. And then Pentecost, the, the spirit gets released into all the world and uh, joy and hope and new beginnings are possible. 
So that's why I follow the rhythms of the church calendar. And uh, but but today we're going to talk about Epiphany. Uh, before we do that, just a really quick a couple of uh, just announcements. Uh, my book Beginnings is still on sale uh, via the Kindle version for two ninety nine for today and tomorrow. So January sixth and seventh, if you're listening to it. If you haven't picked up Beginnings, or if you if you have a friend that maybe um, you think would love Beginnings, go ahead and uh, send the link. I'll put it on the on the episode description and on the show notes. It's two ninety nine on Amazon and Kindle. I believe if you get the Kindle version, then you can also get the auto the Audible version for three ninety nine. I think that's true, and I recorded it, so that was a bunch. Excuse me, of fun. And then also, uh, if you want to start 2017 off in a little bit more of an intentional way, I've developed a 30-day journal of scripture and reflection. I've written 30 new essays. They're one-pagers. They're short, uh, connected with a short passage of scripture, one of my favorites that brings me new beginnings and hope, and then two reflection questions. So that is called These Good Words, 30 Days of Scripture and Reflection. And it'll be, it's 99 cents. It'll be available on the episode description and the show notes. So check those out. Very fun. Okay, let's dive into Epiphany. So the story goes that around, you know, the turn of BCE to CE or from BC to AD, we find that there were three astrologers, three pagan astrologers. They weren't Jewish. They, of course, weren't Christians because Christianity wasn't invented yet. They were pagans. There were three wise men, three astrologers who were studying the stars. And what they found was that there was this prophecy that there would be a king that would arise. And so a star showed the way and it was a long way off for them. And so they decided to go on a journey following the star all the way uh, to Bethlehem where they eventually found the baby Jesus and as you know, story as the story goes, in there was no room in the inn, and so um, he was in a he was in a in a barn basically. And they found the Christ child, and um, they were astonished with joy. They gave great gifts, and then they went back on their way, and they didn't stop by uh, Herod, who was the leader of um, the Jews, but he was in collusion with Rome. And on the way there, they stopped by Herod to, because Herod had heard they were coming and didn't wanted to know. He was very afraid that there was going to be this king that was going to supplant him. And so he said, well, hey, when you go, come back and tell me where he is. And he acted all innocent, like he was he wanted to go worship him. But really, he wanted to kill him because he was threatened. His power was threatened. And that's part of the story of the Epiphany as well. You can't see the light of Christ in the world if you are concerned about maintaining and upholding your own position of power. That's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is for everybody, but it resists those who insist on having the market share of power. Those who don't want to share power don't get to see the light of the world. <laughs> that sounds so intense. And maybe let it be intense, um, but that's, that's the way it is. And uh, the light of the world shines for everybody who wants to see it, can see it, as long as they're willing to um, unpledge their allegiance to unholy versions of power, which puts themselves at the center of the universe. The epiphany shows the way to the light of the Christ, which is found in vulnerability, found in weakness, 
the God of the universe, which created everything, shows up as a baby, shows up as vulnerability and love, shows up as weakness, and eventually that baby just, you know, soon after he was he was born, is going to have to flee to Egypt as a refugee. Is going to have to become a foreigner and a in a stranger, uh, because Herod is going to order the um, the Romans to kill. Uh, all Jewish baby boys under the age of two because he finds out that the the Christ child has come as a baby and again he doesn't want to share power and we can see that story as like Herod is evil and and oh my gosh I can't believe he would do that and the wise men are really good oh my gosh they don't go back to Herod and they are filled with joy and wonder on one level that's true on another level we have to see we have to read into this story that we are all of the above that there are ways in which we say, I, I don't want to see that light of the world because it was gonna, it's going to force me to share my power. It's going to force me out of the center of the universe, which I feel entitled to, this place which I feel entitled to hold. And uh, if you think about that for a second, any time that you insist on getting your way no matter what, you are you are insisting that you are the center of the universe and that there is a power that you will not share. And, uh, and the light of Christ found in the world through epiphany tells a different story and says there is a center of the universe and it is the light of Christ in the world, the cosmic Christ in the world, shining light and giving light to all people and inviting them into the way of Jesus, which is the way of vulnerability, the way of um, power under versus power over, the way of sacrifice, and the way of the kingdom of God, which is sent forth to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the captives, uh, to say that there is a new way of living, and it's started now. And it subverts all the powers of the world that insist, all the Herods of the world Look on that as a literal figure, but also a metaphor. All the powers of the world that insist on getting more and more power for themselves and insist on being the center of the universe will ultimately be subverted by the light of the world, which is found in Christ. But it will be subverted not by powering over, but by ultimately loving the world so well, by ultimately sacrificing himself for the world so completely that ultimately that love will win out over every single power of the world that insists on being the center of the universe because eventually love does win. And that's not an opinion. That's not just a hashtag or a slogan that you can agree with or disagree with. That's the reality of the universe because God is love. Ultimately, God wins. And Epiphany shows that. And Epiphany sends us on a journey. So these three, uh, these three pagan astrologers, it's so fascinating. And I got some help from my good buddy, Ruth Haley Barton. In her, uh, She puts out a periodic uh, blog, and I'm going to put the link about Epiphany. So I got some help with some of the research. But these three astrologers, pagan astrologers, follow the star. They find the Christ child. And I have some questions. Like, what were they really looking for? Was it just this fascination because they were nerdy astrologers and they wanted an answer? Or was there something deeper? Did they find, um, were they looking for something in the harmony of the universe to come together? Did they see something 
in the stars that spoke to something bigger than just prophecy? Did they hope for a reuniting of that which has been broken, a restoring of that which has been broken in the world? These men were also called wise men, magi. And so we have to believe that they thought on deep, deep levels. They meditated on the meaning of the universe. And whatever it is that they saw, they were looking, we, we have to believe, we have to wonder that they were compelled by something greater than just nerdy, you know, I got to find out what this is. And then we got to ask, uh, what did they leave behind? They went in this long journey and uh, they they packed all kinds of things. They They came and they left their homes. They left their maybe families, maybe when they got there, they were forced to leave certain ways of thinking. When they found the baby, when they connected with the light of the world in person, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, you have to believe it must have unsettled some of what they had previously believed. And parenthetical note, when we meet the light of the world, really, when we meet God with us, really, I believe it's not like, Oh, hey, familiar one that I've known every single thing about for all of my life and nobody else gets it. I think there's a sense and I think I and and I definitely get this from every single encounter with the divine found in the scriptures, uh, including angels and especially um, Elohim uh, and even Jesus. There's a sense of people like standing in wide eyed wonder like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you were like that. So when we make the journey of the epiphany and when we actually find the light of the world, the Christ power in the world, when we find it, I think if we really find it, if we really see God with us now in 2017, if we're really seeing God with us, there's a sense of of surprise and awe and like, oh my goodness, I knew you were like that, but I didn't know you were like that. You're a baby, oh my goodness. And I think we lose the wonder and the awe and the surprise of that. They weren't expecting a baby. The wise men, I'm sure, were expecting a king arrayed in splendor. And so when they found this baby, it's like, oh, this, the wonder. And there must have been a temptation to be cynical. Like, what? Baby in a manger, two poor people, Joseph and Mary. There's a bunch of shepherds around here. There's no possibility. We found the wrong star. They followed the wrong star. The star led us astray. This isn't the king of the world. This isn't the cosmic Christ. But instead, the three astrologers, these three, three wise men, these magi, when they got there, we read in the scriptures that they were filled with awe and joy and then that they gave gifts very expensive gifts which show that they believe that what they saw was the real deal. So they were filled with awe and generosity and wonder instead of cynicism and doubt. And so the journey of the epiphany, I think for us here in 2017, and I'm looking out my window and uh, I live in Minnesota, it's 10 below zero outside, but it's a bright blue sky, winter morning, and uh, the temptation is when we enter into epiphany, um, and maybe we've done it, you know, dozens of times in our lives, maybe 50, 60, 70 times in our lives, is to fall back into the old 
road answers in the tired tropes of back then. Yep, we knew we found the Christ child as a baby in a manger. There was no room in the inn. The, and we hear the story and yawn. And of course, we, and the temptation is just, okay, you know, yep, I believe in the Christ and I believe in the baby and I believe in, in the whole story. And yep, Jesus is the answer. And I, 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 I'm, okay, now pause. I, I don't want to be in any sense of the word unrespectful when I use all those tired tropes like that. But the reality is you, you don't understand epiphany if you don't allow yourself to step into some of the awe and wonder and generosity that the three original astrologers did to go on a journey to look for the light of Christ in the world and to look to see the different and new ways that God is being born in the world right now. Same God, same God that loves the world, the God that is found in the face of Jesus. Not saying it's a different God or a different thing, but Emmanuel means God with us in 2017. And actually, it must be in a different way than in that first century experience that the shepherds and the three astrologers saw. What does it mean to go on a journey, to follow a light, to an unfamiliar place, to leave what's familiar and go what's toward what's unfamiliar, and then to find the light of Christ in something like a baby? And the metaphor for that, and again, it was I believe it was literal, but there's also a metaphor to follow that says that God with us will show up in 2017 in an unexpected way. And the epiphany invites us on a journey to go toward that unfamiliar place, following a star, following mystery. So the question for us for in, in, during epiphany in 2017 is where and how is God being birthed anew in the world now and in our lives now? And what will it take to see the light of Christ in the world? Like that's the journey of the epiphany. That's the journey that actually gives me great adventure and great joy and, and, and uh, gives me passion to keep uh, talking about this old story because it's not just an old story. It's a story that's being birthed anew again in us now. And I think in this time where there's a lot of hostility, where there's a clash of powers, where there's great fear all around the world, what does it mean for a few of us, just a few of us, to believe that God is going to come and be God with us, Emmanuel, in unfamiliar places, in unfamiliar people, in unsuspecting people in 2017 in order to show a different way of being in the world, to subvert the powers of this world, to invite us into a different way of living versus the power over way that says there's only a certain limited amount of important spaces to occupy and it's in the center of the universe and only the powerful get to do so. Epiphany invites us to leave that way of thinking and go on a journey to find a baby in a manger where there are shepherds, stinky, smelly shepherds um, bowing down to worship and there are wealthy uh, powerful astronomers, wise men, astrologers, uh, gathering together uh, beyond tribalism and beyond certain ways of thinking in order to see the Christ in the world. That's the invitation. Can you see the light of Christ in the world 
in 2017 in unexpected places. So there's this beautiful family in our church and uh, mom, dad, and girl, boy, daughter, son. And I love this family. Um, They are great. They've been at our little church since the very beginning, three years ago. And the son uh, is on the autism spectrum. He gave me uh, an autism awareness bracelet um, about six months ago, and he asked me to wear it. I haven't taken it off since. Love this kid. And most weeks on Sundays, uh, he's you know he's maybe playing Minecraft in the in the in the in the seats. We meet in the dark theater, uh, but every once in a while he comes up and talks to me, and uh, you know, um, and we talk a little bit about life and um, and. Uh, but he he's he's very hesitant to you know sort of do anything public or um, even to talk to me most of the times. He's on the autism spectrum uh, and he's beautiful and wonderful and so bright and so amazing. And I love this kid. He's just a shining part of our church. Well, one day um, uh, I looked to the right and we do the communion, the Eucharist. We celebrate communion or Eucharist, uh, Lord's table, table of community, whatever you want to call it. We do it every week at our church. And I always go to the one that's near the station that's nearest me. And how we do it is is you get up and you go, and then there's two people that serve you, the bread and the wine. And then you take it and then you go back to your seat. Well, to my right, to the station I always go to, because it's like five steps away, uh, there's the mom of this family that I love serving communion like she normally does. But then there's Jacob, my beautiful friend on the autism spectrum, nine years old. Maybe he's 10 now. And he's serving communion too. And I go up and I look into Amber's eyes, the mom. And she gives me the bread, says the words. And then I bend down and um, Jacob's struggling to lock eyes with me because that's um, it's tough for him. But he locks eyes with me and he, he says the words uh, for the wine. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. And I couldn't handle it. It was so beautiful. There's the light of Christ shining in the world, holding the cup of salvation. A little child with autism. I mean, it was stunning. It was, um, and you know, it just was also so normal. And what I love about our little church is, yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's that's part of what happens. I mean, that's that's he's part of our church, and so, of course, he's going to serve communion. It was kind of this very normal thing, and no one really talked about it because it, you know, it was the first time he did it. But it also wasn't this fanfare. It wasn't like we got up on stage and said, yeah, today we are going. No, it was just normal. But I noticed it, and um, during this epiphany season, it it invites me into a different way of looking for the light of the world to come. It invites me to believe that the light of Christ actually exists within every single one of us. Just It's begging to be born. It's begging to, be, to come forth. But there's one way of looking at the world, and that's that, you know, the light is just only in a very, very few of us, and it's our job to fix the world and make sure it's all fixed and and there's this tremendous burden and weight 
is another way of looking at the world to say, oh, the light of Christ is in you and maybe I can help you remember that it's there. Maybe I can help you remember that before anything else is true about you, you were made in the image of God. And this light that sustains and withholds everything is in you and maybe it's really buried and maybe it's really dark and maybe you can't see it and maybe no one else can see it, but it's there and it wants to come out. I love John Philip Newell's book, The Rebirthing of God. And uh, I'm going to read a quote from that book. It's in the very beginning. And he writes this, uh, Do we know that within each one of us is the unspeakably beautiful beat of the sacred? Do we know that we can honor that sacredness in one another and in everything that has being? And do we know that this combination, growing in awareness, that we are bearers of presence, along with a faithful commitment to honor that presence in one another and in the earth, holds the key to transformation in our world? I want to read that again. Do we know that within each one of us is the unspeakably beautiful beat of the sacred? Do we know that we can honor that sacredness in one another and in everything that has being? And do we know that this combination, growing in awareness, that we are bearers of presence, along with the faithful commitment to honor that presence in one another and in the earth, holds the key to transformation in our world? I love that quote. So I guess here's the invitation for the journey of Epiphany. It's from now until March 1st. Is three questions. Will you go on a journey to find the light of Christ in the world? Will you go on the journey? That means preparing for it. That means leaving some unfamiliar that means leaving some familiar things in order to embark on something unfamiliar. And will you look for the light of Christ in unexpected places? Not just at church or in a Bible study, or in, but on, in the Starbucks employee, in the person who's making you mad, in the, in the family member who you can't stand. Will you look for the light of Christ in unexpected places? And then when you get there, when you find it, and you get the aha, the epiphany, aha, oh my goodness, there it is. That's the epiphany moment. Will you choose wonder and awe, generosity, instead of cynicism and doubt? This is the great, I mean, there it is, the, 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 the lesson of the incarnation and the epiphany that follows is that the light of Christ is still, still shining in the world and it's still shining in unfamiliar, unexpected places and it's still subverting the power centers of this world who insist on occupying the places of power and insist that there's only a limited number of spaces. Epiphany invites us into a far different way of being. That's a journey towards the incarnation, which is happening in the world even now in unfamiliar, vulnerable, and weak places. So friends, I hope uh, you will journey with me uh, during the Epiphany. If you're um, a part of a faith community, great. Uh, do it with other people. If you're not part of a faith community, fine. And I just as I hear from so many of you, so many of you aren't part of a faith community. And in some ways, this is your faith community. I love that. 
And um, so, um, you know, let's be in that together. Let's be on a journey together. And um, let's believe that the light of Christ is shining in the world in unexpected places of vulnerability and weakness, subverting the power centers of this world, which believe that there's only a few occupied places to, to get what you need. Instead, let's believe in the power of the Christ, which has come to seek and to serve and to be a sacrifice for all. I kind of want to say amen. Yeah, amen. So friends, we're dust and we're breath. We're limited and we're limitless. We're human and we're holy and we are in it together. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Yeah.